Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Tesla workers in Buffalo say we want a union. The latest on the list for Labor Secretary. And today on the show, we check in with the Association of Professional Flight Attendants and the latest from the North Coast Labor Federation. Welcome to the Thursday, February 16th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Alan Boswell. Alan is the assistant to the national president of the Association of Professional Flight Attendants. Website, real simple, APFA.org. This organization is the certified collective bargaining representative for the American Airlines flight attendants. It's through the APFA, that they're able to negotiate fair contracts, promote their interests in Washington, D.C., guarantee their rights, and settle disputes with the company in a judicious manner. That's very important. A little background on Alan. He's a 33-year flight attendant, started his uh, flying career with U.S. Air, and through a succession of mergers now finds himself at American Airlines. You don't even have to leave the company. The company kind of leaves you. And I'll tell you, there's been so much movement in the airlines, and so many airlines have gone bankrupt in the past 30, 40 years. It's amazing what has happened to that industry. Alan's been a union rep for both the Association of Flight Attendants, CWA, and the Association of Professional Flight Attendants. We'll talk about that as well. He's had many positions, including local base president, member of the negotiating committee, and currently the assistant to the national president. And we're going to talk about uh, where they are, the flight attendants, where they are currently in contract talks, and have been so since, you ready for this, 2019. What year is it? 2023? While the talks were paused during the pandemic, those talks have been slowly moving forward in the past year. And America, American Airlines, that is, has returned to profitability, travel demand, strong. They're making money. Okay, well, let's spread the wealth, right? The flight attendants, according to Allen, are long past due for significant pay and scheduling improvements. That's a big issue with uh, flight attendants. So uh, he'll be our first guest, Alan Boswell. James Walker will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the United Steelworkers and the North Coast Labor Federation. He serves as a sub-district one director. He's the guy that's going to eventually replace Pat Gallagher, longtime contributor to America's workforce. Pat is a slowly winding down, and he should be leaving the steelworkers probably around May. They still got him doing some negotiating around uh, District 1, which includes Ohio and Michigan. They uh, brought in Michigan about uh, maybe uh, eight to nine months ago. A 
couple things we're going to get into is uh, Sherwin Williams ceasing production at a aerosol facility in Bedford Heights, Ohio. That's been a contentious issue, and uh, the steelworkers make the uh, the cans that the aerosol is in. And let's be honest, Sherwin Williams is one of the most profitable companies on the planet, and they're just playing hardball. Uh, They're also working uh, on a contract for newly organized aluminum workers. This would be in Youngstown, Ohio. And also, we'll talk a bit about the ore freighters. Ore freighters are uh, laid up right now because it's winter, although it doesn't seem that. We had temperatures in the 60s and close to 70. However, this uh, past shipping season, they saw the first new U.S.-built freighter on the Great Lakes since 1983. How about that? And the crew represented by the United Steelworkers. Good stuff there. So James Walker, USW.org, national website. Steelworkers, of course, proud sponsors of America's workforce. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement, serving the needs of Taft, Hartley Funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. Well, how about this? Tesla workers in Buffalo, New York, have reportedly notified Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, that they intend to organize. The workers indicated their desire to achieve better pay, job security, and reduced production pressures. The union, if formed, would become the first union to represent Tesla employees. By the way, the uh, car company has been charged with union busting in its response in past union drives. I know they tried to organize out in California some years ago. It was an old GM plant. And uh, the conditions in the plant, very similar to an Amazon warehouse. Pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. But that's that's non-union for you. The uh, National Labor Relations Board has ruled Starbucks violated federal labor laws at two Philadelphia stores in an attempt to undermine organizing drives at those stores among the unlawful activities engaged in by Starbucks included terminating two union supporting workers, reducing union supporters work hours and prohibiting concerted complaints about store conditions. Notably, the uh, labor board's ruling provides for relief beyond the traditional reinstatement and back pay remedy, requiring the company to pay for, this is a quote, direct or foreseeable harms incurred as a result of the unlawful adverse actions against them. This includes reasonable search for work and interim employment expenses. Pretty interesting, huh? This decision, by the way, is in accordance with a recent ruling. It was called the Thrive case, Thrive versus the NLRB, which provided that the make whole remedy is incomplete without providing relief for the significant costs that incur due to termination. That's monumental, monumental. So many workers, when they try to organize, get fired and they're left out in the cold. And I'll tell you, it's hurting. There's some hurt going on. 
especially when that happens. And now the NLRB saying, you know what, you got to pay for that. Workers at a Medieval Times restaurant location, this is in Buena Park, California, walked off the job on Saturday in protest of the company shutting down the union's social media. The account was banned after the company sued the union for copyright infringement for using their trademark logo. I'm going to quote here from uh, one of the striking employees, Katie Farrell. Katie says, they've been censoring us. They've been censoring our supporters on social media. They're just trying to silence us because they know they're not treating us fairly. Workers at the location also report unsustainable understaffing levels and discriminatory pay increases at non-union stores. One of the lead organizers, Aaron Zapik, said that workers will be out on strike basically every day for the foreseeable future until we can make some kind of meaningful progress with the company. In the meantime, the company is using temporary workers from other Medieval Times locations to fill in the striking worker shifts. Non-tenure track workers, this would be at Harvard University, have announced a campaign to organize 6,000 workers across the university's dozen schools. Now, these are postdoctoral researchers, research associates, lecturers, and other roles. The workers are seeking to unionize in order to ensure fair pay, benefits, and working conditions that enable them to make the research and teaching contributions that create a more accessible institution for teaching, for research, as well as for learning. I got to hand it to the UAW on this. Uh, They are doing a great job organizing at various universities. And Harvard, well, obviously, (laughs) they certainly can pay. Look at tuition there. It's got to be probably about $70,000 a year. And then law school, over six figures. But uh, they started their own union. It's H-A-W-U-A-W, Harvard Academic Workers Affiliated with the UAW. Doctoral students at John Hopkins University have overwhelmingly voted to unionize. This vote comes less than a month after Yale graduate students voted to unionize by a 10-to-1 margin. Also, get this, Northwestern students voted to unionize by a margin of 14-to-1. And in other graduate student news, nearly 750 Temple University grad students went on strike recently protesting working conditions there. And one more here before we break. The New Jersey Senate has approved a bill that would guarantee temp workers the same wage as ordinary workers and create new transparency requirements for employers hiring those temp workers. The bill passed the state assembly about four months ago, but voting in the Senate was postponed four times Why? Because business groups and temp agencies lobbied against it. Governor Phil Murphy vetoed an earlier version of the bill, but is expected to sign the narrower measure into law. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll check in with the Association of Professional Flight Attendants. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. 
From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the side of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's CWAD4.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to our first guest, I want to mention that Senator Bernie Sanders has added two names to the shortlist for Secretary of Labor since Marty Walsh is planning to leave the department and head up the NHL Players Association. That announcement came out about uh, 10 days ago. Now, the current deputy secretary and longtime worker rights attorney, Julie Sue, is said to be the main front runner for the role. Now, in this past week, Senator Sanders weighed in in a letter to the Biden administration. He put forward two new candidates, one of them, Sarah Nelson, president of the Association of Flight Attendants, which is affiliated with the CWA. And then there's Robert Reich who's the former labor secretary under Bill Clinton. We're going back to the 90s here. Right now, the Biden administration has not yet made an announcement. In the meantime, the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is pushing uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, who lost his race in New York back in November. And I'll tell you, the progressives do not like him. In fact, The Nation magazine did a story on him saying that he has zero qualifications for the job. Any halfway decent headhunter would be pushing him for a position at one of the union busting corporations he gleefully raised money from. To think about a guy who's gone to mat for big banks, but who's never stuck his neck out for workers, even voting twice against Obamacare. Taking that position is a wrong move. Now, his voting record in Congress may check out with the AFL-CIO, but he's hardly a champion for workers' rights. So it'll be an interesting pick here, and that should be coming down in the next couple of weeks. And Marty's still in the job. 
still on the job. All right, let's go down to uh, Texas right now. Joining us on our live line is Alan Boswell. Alan is an assistant to the national president on behalf of the Association of Professional Flight Attendants. They have about 25,000 members, and uh, they represent the flight attendants at American Airlines. And they're having some difficulty trying to get a contract. Alan Boswell, welcome to America's Workforce. Thanks for uh, joining us today, brother. How are we doing? I'm very good. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate the time to talk to you. Well, I want to get into those uh, contract talks, but let's talk a little bit about you. I see you're a 33-year flight attendant, and I was mentioning this at the top of the show. So you started at one airline. That airline kind of disappeared, like a lot of airlines (laughs) over the years with bankruptcies and mergers. Talk to me about... uh, your involvement in uh, in the industry and why did you go that route? What to, what what kind of pushed you in that direction, Alan? Um, I started uh, about thirty three years ago. This week, uh, I had interviewed with uh, a PSA Pacific Southwest Airlines, uh, living in Seattle at the time. And uh, by the time I got a job offer, they had merged with a East Coast carrier called US Sarah. And um, I was had been uh, teaching before that, uh, and decided I needed to change. And uh, <laughs> making a living as a teaching, sadly, was very, very difficult um, in in the Seattle area. And decided to pick up and move. Uh, became a flight attendant with U.S. U.S. Air, and then through. Numerous mergers with uh, uh, Piedmont Airline, uh, the Trump Shuttle, uh, and America West, and now I find myself uh, at American Airlines as you know the largest carrier in the world, and it just kind of just kept happening. And before I knew it, I'm sitting here with 33 years. I met with a whole bunch of new hires yesterday, and they went. They think that that's a long time, and it just goes by so fast. I just yeah. can't believe that it, it hasn't been bet. that long. The Trump shuttle. Talk to me about that. That had to be an interesting part of your uh, career. That that was uh, uh, a merger that happened right around, I think it was uh, two, uh, 2001, that uh, the shuttle uh, uh, operated in three cities, uh, Washington, New York, LaGuardia, and Boston, and did hourly service uh, kind of back and forth between, you know, kind of like a a Bermuda's Triangle (laughs) there in uh, the Northeast. Um, And for whatever reason, uh, was on the chopping block. The company made an offer for it to kind of enhance their route structure. And uh, we merged with those flight attendants, and I worked the the uh, U.S. Airways shuttle quite a bit when I was based in Washington D.C. Really enjoyed it, and it was a successful merger, at least on on the part of the flight attendants. Uh, many of those uh, flight attendants, uh, the ones that are still here, are still some very good friends of mine. Uh, they do a very good job, and it was, I think, in the end, uh, a successful merger for the company. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, Association of Professional Flight Attendants. And it's my understanding that uh, you're having a difficult time here with American Airlines. Uh, let's be honest. We had the pandemic. Everything was shut down. And, well, of course, they did get government money during that time period. But now things are a little bit better, a lot better. More people traveling. They're making money. Uh, but these talks here, 2019 they started 
So that was like four years ago. What uh, What's going on here, Alan? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, airline employees are governed under the Railway Labor Act. And unlike when I was a school teacher, that when your contract ends, that's that's, you know, effectively when you go on strike in the airline industry, they just become amendable. And so in 2019, we began uh, what is referred to as Section 6 negotiations under the Railway Labor Act. And they unfortunately can take a while, um, was making some success. And then, of course, the world went upside down in 2020 and uh, with the COVID pandemic. And what we found was that obviously um, negotiations need to be paused during that time. Uh, we joined forces with um, our siblings over at uh, the uh, TWU representing the Southwest flight attendants and uh, AFA CWA representing about 20 different carriers uh, supporting the payroll support program. Uh, not once, not twice, but three times that really kept all the airlines in business, kept salaries coming to employees, and that was the priority, not necessarily contract negotiations. And now that we've seen uh, the return to air travel, uh, kind of at the tail end of this pandemic, uh, we're back at the table with the company. We've been back at the table, I think, uh, the better part of a year now. Uh, making some success. There's been a lot of proposals back and forth. But what we've seen is, you know, especially the last couple quarters, um, American Airlines has reported, uh, if not record profits, near record profits. And this was built on all the hard work that the frontline employees have done. And it is time now for American to get very serious about these contract negotiations, make sure that we keep pace with inflation, just like everybody else has, because our wages have been stagnant for the last couple of years. And so it's time for American to do their part. We did our part supporting the company through the pandemic, uh, making sure that there was a company at the end of the pandemic. And it is time for them to come to the table, get this contract done and put the, you know, these record profits into our paychecks and not just into shareholders uh, uh, checkbooks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're real good at doing that. Oh, significant pay. They're very, they're very good. Yeah. Yeah. Significant and, pay. You know, when think, you say significant pay, what are we talking about here? You know, um, the negotiating committee right now is putting together the compensation section uh, for a proposal for the company. And uh, it's a good that's the last section that is often traded uh, uh, with uh, in, con- in contract negotiations. So uh, not keeping pace with inflation uh, the last couple of years, we're going to be looking for, I can't put a dollar figure on it right now, but some significant return on the investment that we've made with the company the last couple of years. Okay. Also, I'm reading about scheduling improvements, and I've, I've heard some horror stories on that. Maybe you could speak to that for our listeners. Uh, I will tell you, one, of the thing, one, of, one part of the job that is very enticing is the flexibility. And if you talk to most flight attendants, um, I will be honest that when I started, I was kind of looking at doing this for maybe five years, you know, seeing some parts of the world that I hadn't seen before, take advantage of that. 
But the flexibility of the job that, you know, sometimes you may come to work on a Monday, sometimes your trips may be on the weekend, you can kind of manipulate your schedule. That is what really keeps so many flight attendants and pilots in, in the industry because of that, that flexibility, especially as you, you know, begin to have families and kind of move on in your career. So uh, with the various scheduling systems, we're looking at increasing that flexibility, you know, obviously at the same time making sure that the airline uh, uh, can get planes in the air because at the end of the day, that's what we do is get passengers, uh, you know, safely from A to B, and we have to have people on board to do that. So uh, working with the scheduling systems that we have um, here in place at American Airlines, uh, finding more flexibility uh, to kind of in, increase that job satisfaction here at American Airlines. Yeah. How are we doing with uh, keeping people there? Because sometimes, and I've been hearing this from a lot of unions, that if they're not going to get the pay increases or the respect on the job, they're out of there. They're, they're gone. Are we holding on to the employees over there at American, especially the flight attendants? It is a, that is a very good question. Um, what we saw last year was uh, the hiring of several thousand new flight attendants. Um, this necessarily wasn't because of an increase in the number of aircraft at American, um, but we saw attrition be much higher. Some of that was for retirement. Some people had just decided through the COVID pandemic that they didn't want to do this job anymore. I think the company is on par to hire 3,000 flight attendants this year. Um, there is a help, you know, now hiring sign out here at American for flight attendants looking for, you know, those qualified candidates. But I, the, the challenge for these new hires, and I met with about 100 yesterday, about 150 uh, last week, is they are coming out of, you know, training. They've are going into some of the most expensive cities in the country, you know, New York, Washington, DC, Boston, uh, Chicago, and earning obviously new higher wages. And they need significant improvements in that base salary to make a living. It is a challenge. Uh, you know, anybody starting anywhere, it can be very difficult, but these are really expensive cities and uh, they need uh, significant improvements to keep them in, the, in this industry because we do see a lot of them that they're like this is not what i thought it was going to be and i can't make ends meet yeah 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 there, there's a certain glamour to it but once you're in the middle of it it's a different story interesting interesting we're speaking with alan boswell who serves as the assistant to the national president of the association of professional flight attendants website is apfa.org you can also check them out on Facebook and follow them on Twitter. Twitter handles APFA Unity. We'll continue the conversation with Alan later in the show. We'll be checking in with James Walker on behalf of the Steelworkers and the North Coast Labor Federation. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, 
Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment, good employment in many cases. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin Alan Boswell. Alan is the assistant to the national president of the Association of Professional Flight Attendants, APFA.org. They have about 25,000 members. We should point out, too, there's a number of unions that represent flight attendants. The one I just mentioned, the APFA, there's the Transport Workers Union and the Association of Flight Attendants, which is affiliated with the Communication Workers of America. There's a couple of other unions that represent uh, flight attendants, so one of them is the Steelworkers, and I believe the Teamsters might be doing some of the the, uh, regional carriers. But those are the three main unions in America right now for flight attendants. Alan, talk to me about uh, the importance of having a union, especially in the aviation industry. I mean, we kind of touched on this in the first segment here. And you, you can't go on strike because of the federal law that's kind of similar to the, uh, the, rail, the rail workers. We dealt with that last fall. And I'll tell you, they're really up in arms over that incident over in East Palestine, Ohio. And I'll tell you, that's something that should not have happened. That's another story. I'm not going to get into that. We'll be covering that in another show. But talk to me about uh, about what's going on. And I know one of the big carriers, Delta, boy, my God, they've been non-union for a long time. Now, now their pilots are union. Is that right at Delta? What's the story there? Uh, the pilots uh, are uh, union. They are a uh, uh with Alta, the Airline Pilots Association, uh, the flight attendants, however, have not been uh, represented by any union. They don't have a contract. And how that kind of 
fits into the bigger picture of those of us that do have a contract. And there's nothing that can replace having an agreement written on paper that that can be legally enforced. At Delta, they can write it on the back of a napkin and throw the napkin away. Whatever that they are doing and or paying their flight attendants um, is essentially not, not worth the time of day because they can change it tomorrow. And what happens for all the carriers that are represented by unions and do have contracts. When you get into contract negotiations, as you know, everybody is compared to everybody else. It's, you know, it costs X number of dollars to have this flight attendant over at Delta. And so our companies, when we're in negotiations, they say, well, Delta can do this for, you know, this amount of money. Well, that's great. But they're not represented. And so it changes all the time. And probably something that kind of highlighted this recently was the concept of boarding pay. And I know that a lot of folks, this may be new to them, that your flight attendants aren't getting paid currently for boarding, which is probably the worst part of our job if you had to put it all and, you know, categorize it. And so Delta, because there's this effort on the part of AFA-CWA, the Association of Flight Attendants, to unionize the flight attendants at Delta, um, the company came forward and said, we're going to pay you boarding pay. That sounds great. And, you know, they totally deserve it. But what happens is we've taken a look at the boarding pay, and it's just different formula that kind of goes back and forth on some various issues about if you get it or not. And then if you're delayed, you don't get it. And it's not what we would negotiate. However, that's what the company comes to us with. And they say, oh, well, Delta does this in boarding pay. That's great. We like the concept. We don't like the way they do it. But we're compa- because we're compared to them in so many areas of our contract negotiations, them not having a union, them not having a contract, really can hold us back in our own progression in our contract. Boy, that's interesting. So h- how long has that been the case when, you, when, when the flight attendants were not getting paid? for for board i mean they're working right they're i mean they're actually working but they're not getting paid for it <laughs> i well i tell you it's uh i have been flying since 1989 and yeah. that has been the case uh ever since i started and it's you know coming from i used to be a teacher the, the idea that you wouldn't get paid when you're with your students is would seem very well counterintuitive it's yeah. the way the industry was kind of set up and it it has become the norm but remember flight tens didn't used to do five six seven legs a day um that now we see our schedules being built to you know four or five legs a day that's a lot of time uh not getting paid and so it has become a, a really a rallying cry for our flight attendants that we're representing that 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 they want boarding pay, you know, among other contractual improvements because they deserve they deserve to be paid during that time, just like right. any other worker. Yeah, yeah, you're working. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, I know, it just, it's so, the airline industry is, you know, every industry I think has its different quirks. That is one of the parts of the airline industry that, you know, we don't get paid until the door is closed and we push off the gate. And that's really like, there's nobody that wants to be on time more than your flight crew. 
that because we want to shut the door, we want to start getting paid, and we want we want to get to that destination safely and on time. Yeah. Alan, I've been saying this on the show for so many years now. It's it, the uh, the managers today, the the owners of businesses just don't want workers or as little as possible. And you, you see the push, especially like in the trades, to go to independent contractors. So they're really not an employee. It's like uh, your own business. They go that route. And then you think about some of those on assembly lines. They go for robotics, and they're pushing workers there off the assembly line into robotics. And, I mean, we're seeing the same kind of scenario here. In your case, though, they want you to do the work and not get paid for it. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's just I amazing. Mean, I- at the end of the day, we want, we want American Airlines to be successful because right. that means that we have our job, our insurance, you know, the roof over our head. However, you have to, you know, pay the people that are invested. The reason that American Airlines and so many, really the entire industry is here through this COVID pandemic was we came together and we fought for those payroll support programs that when the airplane were not able to be in the sky or when they were, they were completely empty. That's because we all joined hands and went to Washington and told them what we needed to keep the airline in the air at the end of the pandemic. Cause we knew there was going to be an end to it, but yeah. the airlines, when they were, <laughs> they were poised to lose, you know, tens of billions of dollars would not be around in the way they are today at all. Alan, if you don't mind, I'd like to, uh, go back to what we talked about in the first segment about American Airlines. So again, you're you're negotiating with them. Uh, and those of you just joining us right now, these talks started back in 2019. Of course, they were paused during the pandemic and now they're picking up. And I understand you're making some progress, but you still got a ways to go. How's everybody holding up right now with, with what's going on? Are they optimistic? Are they thinking, oh my God, they're going to screw us again here. They're going to figure out a way to do something that we're we're not going to like on our jobs. What 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 are you hearing from uh, from your from your twenty five thousand members right now? I would say, you know, of course, representing twenty five thousand members, it's it would, you know, anytime you talk to anybody, it could be the whole gamut of what you just described. However, the the vast majority are definitely paying attention attention to contract negotiations. They know that we are having resolved a, a you know fair number of the scheduling issues moving to the money issues now um, are keeping their eye on the ball they know the company has reported record profits that that the company in their own words has said has said demand has never been greater at American Airlines and it is time for them to really in a very short period of time wrap this up because uh, as you said, we've been at this since 2019. COVID got in the way. It is not in the way of this industry right now anymore. And it's time to get serious and get it done so we can move to our attention to uh, what we do best, which is get people from A to B safely and on time. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Alan Boswell, assistant to the national president of the Association of Professional Flight Attendants. Do check out their website, A pfa.org again 25,000 strong you uh, stay uh, strong my brother and keep in touch with us on these negotiations you got our support here on America's workforce so please keep in touch with us down the road and hopefully everything's going to work out okay 
All right. Thank you so much. And if you happen to be on a flight with an American Airlines flight attendant, let them know that you're supporting them. If you happen to be on a Delta flight, encourage them uh, to vote for their union representation. I think that vote will be coming up hopefully uh, very soon. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, James Walker will be joining us on behalf of the Steelworkers and filling in for Pat Gallagher on our segment we call the North Coast Labor Federation. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to uh, Jim Walker, just want to give a plug here to the Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council, along with its Trades Women Committee. They are going to celebrate Women in Construction Week by hosting a dinner gathering. And there's no charge, too. It's uh, set for March 8th, 4.30 p.m., It will take place at the IBEW Local 38 Union Hall near downtown Cleveland. It's located at 1590 East 23rd Street in Cleveland. Again, no cost to attend, and it's open to all affiliated tradeswomen in the Cleveland building trades. And uh, that is the week of Women in Construction Week. In fact, we'll be featuring Doreen Cannon, who's in charge of this this, uh, celebration, Uh, A couple of days before that dinner, she'll be talking about women in construction, how she got involved in construction, why we need more women to get involved in construction, because it's such a great opportunity. In fact, Doreen is now retired and enjoying her pension. She was uh, in the plumber's union for uh, well over 20 or 25 years, I believe. But if you want to get involved in this dinner, you can RSVP to Doreen Cannon at this email, dcannon.com 
dcannon at plumbers55.com. dcannon at plumbers55.com. Again, that'll be Wednesday, March 8th, and it'll be uh, at 4.30 p.m. And it's all uh, free. It's being catered by Mission Barbecue. They're donating all the food. Good stuff there. All right, let's go to uh, line number two. And welcome back to the show, James Walker. He is a sub-district one director. He's filling Pat Gallagher's shoes. Pat should be, well, (laughs) Pat's trying to retire. (laughs) They're giving him more work to do. Hey, Jim Walker, how are we doing today, brother? Doing well, Flash. How are you? Good, good, good. I, I know Pat is uh, easing his way out, and you'll be uh, you'll be filling his shoes on behalf of the North Coast Labor Federation and the steelworkers. You got a couple of things dealing with the steelworkers right now. You want to call attention to, especially in, in northeastern Ohio. What's going on with Sherwin Williams now? Apparently, there was a, I guess, some labor action at an aerosol facility. Can you fill us in? What's going on here, Jim? Yeah, a little more, you know, one of the more unfortunate things we have to deal with sometimes. Um, we have, uh, Sherwin-Williams has a facility in Bedford Heights. Um, they've been there since, I think that plant's been there since the mid-1950s. Um, and unfortunately, they are ceasing production at our facility. So they, sounds like they're planning to be completely shut down at that facility by around the end of May, 1st of June. So we're in effects bargaining right now, trying to bargain a decent package for our members there who are going to lose their jobs, unfortunately. Um, you know, try to bargain some some economic relief in there so that they are able to, you know, transition into other work or retirement, whatever the next step in, in their careers may be. How many workers are we talking about at that facility? They're right around 50 at that facility. They they fill um, they fill aerosol cans at that facility. It's kind of a kind of a small batch um, niche that they've been in for quite some time. And and it sounds like Sherwin Williams is kind of moving away from a lot of the aerosol. Oh, okay. Now, weren't they um, involved in? Was there like a strike going on? Or I know there was a PR campaign. I remember talking to Pat about this. Uh, some months back and is that part of what's going on they're figuring well if the workers are going to act that way we'll just shut it down is that kind of the scenario there well of course if you ask them it had nothing to do with it but yes there was a strike there uh around april our workers were on strike we couldn't get a fair contract um and of course you know for us to actually have to call a strike is one of the you know more extreme things that you know we have to get involved in uh, but the company really we thought was not being fair with our workers and we had to call a strike there um i don't think it's all that just coincidentally that um you know they decided to shut the facility down in talking with the company you know it sounds like it was right around that time frame when they started evaluating that facility um but according to the company the facility is very old which can't really deny that's true and it would require a lot of money to upgrade it enough to to really be efficient and productive um that's the position of the company but but yes there was a strike there and i i find it hard to believe that it's just no coincidence at all there yeah yeah we're talking about a global company here that's made a whole lot of money and they're building their new headquarters in downtown cleveland and i should point out they got a whole lot of tax breaks from not only northeastern Ohio, but also the state government to make sure that they stayed in northeastern Ohio. But for workers, that's a different story. All right, talk to me yep. about oh, what's going on in Youngstown. Apparently, um, uh, aluminum workers there working on a contract there. Can you fill us in? 
Yeah, I guess from, you know, to go from one extreme to the other, um, fortunately, and, you know, one of the more positive things we see in the labor movement, um, as you well know, you know, public opinion about labor unions has kind of reached an all-time high in probably the past four or five decades. Um, And relative to that, we had a group of aluminum workers. There's about 111, 112 workers here in Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, They work for a company called Dadco Manufacturing. They manufacture a lot of extruded aluminum. Uh, They do, they run paint lines and prep it for shipment. Goes into a lot of commercial windows, RVs, things like that. Uh, The company here in Youngstown, they actually own two facilities who are already organized with the United Steelworkers. And now we have a third facility uh, they purchased. And one of our staff representatives was able to achieve a neutrality agreement through bargaining with the other facility. Uh, So those workers last May voted to join the United Steelworkers, and we were certified through the board. Uh, So we've been bargaining with the company now for these workers' first contract. I was actually in bargaining all day yesterday. I'll be in bargaining today and tomorrow. Uh, we've been we've been bargaining for quite some months now, um, as you can imagine. Bargaining an entire first contract is you know cover to cover, so there's a lot of work that goes into that. Um, but it's really been a a really cool process to work with, you know, essentially workers who have only known what it's like to be at in a non-union facility, and see them kind of grow into learning how to bargain contracts and understanding how to handle grievances and, you know, deal with their members and take care of their members. So not only are we, you know, in bargaining, um, but it's also a lot of mentoring these new members and these new officers. So it's really been a great experience. You feel pretty good about uh, getting some decent results for the workers there. And how many workers are we talking about at that, uh, at that plant in Youngstown? I think right now there's between 110, 115 right in there. And, and yeah, I have a pretty positive outlook on it. We've been bargaining for quite some time. Like I said, we have most of the language hammered out um, and, and not uncommon to most negotiations, right? It comes down to economics. Um, so we're, we're certainly getting there and making really good progress in that area as well. And hopefully here, you know, hopefully within a few days, a, a couple of weeks at the most, we should have an agreement um, that we're comfortable to take back to our membership. Oh, that's great. And the aluminum industry in the country, I mean, has been decimated, too. I know China sucked up a lot of the the smelters over the years, and this has been going on for probably two, three decades now. So it's good to see that we're moving the needle in the right direction. I always like to use that phrase. It's important, especially now with all the organizing that's going on in America. All right, let's. Uh, let's there's one more here. And that is uh, the Great Lakes, the first new U.S.-built freighter on the Great Lakes. Now, this is baffling to me. Since 1983? Is that right, Jim? Wow. That is correct. Yeah, the first U.S.-built. I believe there was a Canadian freighter or two built in that time frame somewhere. Um, But, yeah, that's that's the first one that's been built here. It was built by U.S. workers. Um, It's a U.S.-owned company. It's, of course, staffed by, uh, it's U.S. flagged and staffed by um, U.S. workers. And not only that, one of the really cool things for us is our members are the unlicensed crew. Um, so they're the, the wheelsmen, the watchmen, um, the deckhands, the second cooks, the, um, some of the engineers in the engine room. Um, but not only that, what the really cool part about it is this, the ship itself uh, was built at Fick and Terry Shipbuilding. 
It was um, built for the Interlake Steamship Company, but it was built completely out of steel that was made by our USW members. The plate and the steel was actually built at uh, the Cleveland Cliffs Mill there in Burns Harbor. Oh, that's awesome. That is so great. Well, you, I don't know how old you are, but I mean, at one time, there was a lot of shipbuilding done in Northeastern Ohio. In fact, the guy that did it was, I believe it was American Shipbuilding. And that was George Steinbrenner, who was the former owner of the New York Yankees. He's since passed. But this was a big area for shipbuilding at the time. So that that is awesome. The first U.S. built freighter on the Great Lakes since 1980. Do you think that, okay, do you think that this is a shape of things to come here as a result of this? What, what What's your take on that? Yeah, I certainly hope so. You know, look, you're right. There's not, there, there used to be way more shipbuilding um, than there used to be, you know, most of our, of the older, bigger steel companies had their own fleets, even, you know, Bethlehem and you name it, you know, U.S. Steel, they, they all kind of had their own fleets. It's kind of, you know, like most industry, it's kind of narrowed down and refined now to, you know, a few companies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, we're, we're very optimistic um, that, you know, shipping is such a huge part of our industry in the Great Lakes. Um, I don't think we're, you know, you're, we're never going to see that go away, thankfully. Um but yeah, you know, we're we're very hopeful that it is a sign of things to come. There there are even some of the older boats, you know, that have been in service for a really long time. And these new boats, the this is the Mark W. Barker. Um, you know, like everything else, it has a lot of technological advancements that we don't see on the older freighters. This freighter actually it, it was it was built to haul salt and it also runs iron ore. It's a it's the smallest boat in Interlake's fleet. Um, not by accident, right? It's uh, mainly so that it can run up the Cuyahoga by itself without the assist of tugs. So it can take iron ore that our members actually mine. Um, it can take the ore up the Cuyahoga to the mill there in Cleveland, the Cleveland Cliffs Cleveland Works. As you know, the Cuyahoga is very windy, and it's very difficult to get larger boats through. Um, you know, So that, that boat was built for that reason. But the other thing with this new boat is most of all of the old ore carriers have 20 to 30 hatches on top and they unbuckle those and and load that way this freighter actually only has four hatch covers and they're massive and this boat is actually even hauling some steel now it can haul steel bar as well not just it's not like the old kind of you know funnel shaped um, cargo holds these cargo holds are square so there's even talk about it hauling some fan blades and you know things like that so really really a versatile ship and it opens up of course, you know, our workers for more economic security as they're able to carry new and, and different cargoes than they've had before. Yeah, and that's what we want. Once again, James Walker, Sub-District 1 Director for the Steelworkers, USW.org, the national website. You take care, my brother, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road, okay? Thanks for having me on, Flash. Always a pleasure to talk to you. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we'll check in with the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.